You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. All right, everyone, welcome to Fourth and Manageable with myself, Ashley Holder, and Brad Edwards. Um, Usually I've got like a bunch of crazy names to go with you, but I'm going to wait to see how this podcast goes. If you're really like that, you know, that, that psychic that, you know, our last episode to see if you're right with some of this stuff. I'm I, having an off day. So it's, it's good to hold off. I doubt it. Brad never has off days guys. He's, he's just lying to you, but um, it was more of an exciting weekend than I expected it to be with uh, college football and the SEC. Obviously we had some of those breakaway games like Tennessee and, and um, let's say what about Ole Miss? Goodness gracious. We'll get, yeah. into, that. <laughs> get into that score right there. But it was exciting in a non-dramatic way, right? Like exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're an Ole Miss fan, right? If Georgia yeah. Tech, were like, well, great. Um, let's start with the two SEC games that we had, Georgia and South Carolina. This is one that we talked a lot about saying, we'll see more so what South Carolina is made about more than Georgia and obviously I think we were able to see that coaches now know that Georgia seriously is the real deal once again this year (laughs) yeah Georgia is what we expected them to be and uh, unfortunately for South Carolina that meant a very lopsided game now in fairness to South Carolina they had a number of starters on defense who were either completely out of the game or banged up on top of it never really had a chance to slow down Georgia's offense. It's certainly not to diminish what Georgia did, which was to completely dominate on on really both sides of the ball, not just that one. Um, But, you know, for South Carolina, it's one of those that you just, you know, shake it off and move on. It was a game that, quite honestly, you weren't expecting to win. Um, So it really shouldn't affect your psyche or anything. Uh, You got beat by the best team in the country. And, you know, coming out of the weekend, the the coaches – finally uh, acknowledged that, hey, you know what? Georgia might be the best team in the country. And so there were some people who switched their votes. And uh, last week we had the split polls. This week uh, the polls agree Georgia is number one. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny you look at it. The starters were already out probably about somewhere in that in that third quarter, right? You mean you start using other people, yeah. what your twos and your threes, maybe even possibly fours look like. At I that think point. their fours were in when South Carolina finally scored. Exactly. Which the was the only touchdown, by the way, which that was to me the season. only, <laughs> which to me was the only negative part of Georgia's game. The fact that they were even they were allowed the game cost to even get a score, right? But you look at it in every care category offensively, um, Georgia just killing South Carolina, rushing two hundred and eight yards to ninety two, and then receiving three hundred thirty nine to two hundred and fourteen. So obviously, offensively, they were able to really get going pretty quickly. And Stetson Bennett obviously having another phenomenal game. Yeah, total control of the offense, and he spread the ball around, which is you know what he's been doing. They really, I think, it made an effort to get Brock Bowers more involved. He, he had not been as big of a part of their offense in the first couple of games as he was last season, and he's probably their best offensive player, which is it's not often you can say that about a tight end. Um, you know, maybe mm-hmm. there were some years uh, in the, on the New England Patriots where you you might have said that about Gronk, although you also had Tom Brady. So, right. so even There's then it was guy. difficult to say it. But I'm just – I'm trying to think of examples where you could say that yeah. the the best player on the offense is the tight end. Uh, you Actually, you, you know when you could have said that? When Gronk was in college at Arizona. You definitely yeah. could have yeah. said that. Um, but 
you know, he, he might not be the most important player because that's going to be the quarterback. Um, right. But but he is, I think, the best player on that offense. They got him more involved. He had three touchdowns. And, you know, when Stetson Bennett is spreading it out and they're they're working all the options, they, they really are difficult for anyone to stop. I should say difficult. They're almost impossible for anyone to stop mm-hmm. who doesn't have the same level of athleticism. Right. Um, and, and so that's why I think we're, I mean, maybe waiting for the SEC championship game to see if anybody can slow down Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe maybe your your Tennessee Vols can score with them oh, a little bit. But as far as like, you know, really making their offense um, look suspect, I, I don't know if anyone could possibly do that. And, and not even just do it, do it for four quarters. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, be able to hold them to a few field goal attempts instead of allowing touchdowns. Uh, but to keep them off the board, to be forcing punts on a regular basis, that, that seems like a very tall order. But uh, we will uh, we'll find out once they are able to go up against someone who, you know, is, is close to their level athletically. Right. Which basically is the only team. Alabama, as of right now, right, I think what right. is everyone is probably waiting for. Before SEC teams right now in the top 10, you got UGA at one, Bama at two, eight, uh, Kentucky, 10, Arkansas, and also four teams in the top 10 of FPI. So you got Georgia again, and then Bama at seven at Ole Miss and eight at Tennessee. And they all had phenomenal weekends, but they also were playing um, – not conference games, not really any high caliber teams. You look at Tennessee, beat Akron 63 to six. Um, Ole Miss did 42 to nothing to Georgia. Actually, Mizzou had a great weekend, 13, put up 34. Um, and Alabama, obviously, 63 on Moreau. So 63 and allowed them to score one in Arizona, uh, 38 to 27 on Missouri State. Arkansas probably got a little bit closer than I imagine on that one, and then Kentucky, uh, 31 to nothing. So they had some pretty decent, decent weekends, though. A decent weekend, excuse me. Well, you remember uh, last week on our show, I think it was the Thursday show. I, I mentioned that Arkansas needed to be careful because it was a, it was a spot where it was so predictable for them to come out flat, and they did. They fell behind 17 nothing to Missouri State, and they just were scratching, clawing all game to finally get back to even. And then they, they finally took the lead in the in the fourth quarter. And the final score was a little deceiving. I think the game was a lot closer than it looks if, if you mm-hmm. only saw that that score. Um, you had no idea that they were trailing in the fourth quarter. In fact, they were trailing um, by double digits, I believe, at the start mm-hmm. of the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a strong finish by Arkansas, but um, it was a game that, you know, that uh, they really didn't need at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, they needed the opportunity to rest starters with right. the, the start of the uh, SEC schedule coming up here. With Well, they've already played a conference game, but I should say the the toughest part of their SEC schedule is coming up um, in the next few weeks. And, and to not be able to rest starters was a bad thing for Arkansas. But, hey, mm-hmm. you move on. You do what you can. Uh, the flip side, they play – uh, A&M this week and A&M wasn't able to rest its starters either because it predictably uh, had to go a full four quarters right with with Miami but uh, the good thing for A&M is they came out with a much needed win because mm-hmm. they were they were really on the ropes as we know going into last weekend yeah and I mean you touch on Texas A&M but my they got that win right this was a win that they absolutely needed and Miami didn't look as good but I also want to ask you who do you really feel like was actually that winner of that game yeah I, I, granted 
And I asked that saying, I know that Texas A&M won, but I also feel that Miami more so was the one to beat themselves because they couldn't finish in the red zone. Well, you, you know certainly they can't the say field goals. They had the block. They had right, the block. right, right. You right. certainly can't say that punt. Miami was a winner because they they did nothing constructive. Really, I mean, I guess defensively they they did, but um, right. they they there's in no way would they come away feeling like they won. Certainly, they could feel like they outplayed Texas A and M, and if not for yeah some of the self inflicted wounds that you're talking about, they might have won. And and those were on special teams. Um, yep. I mean, almost exclusively. And that's so, where the game was lost. Yeah, that's where the game was lost by Miami. It wasn't necessarily won by AM as much as it was lost by Miami. And and AM tried to give it back at the end when they uh when they muffed a, a punt of their own. Um, but they were able to get it back. They didn't mm-hmm. lose it. And uh, that I mean, to some extent almost ended up being the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, AM obviously needed a win in a in a bad way. They got it. Um, that's going to give them more confidence now going into conference play. Uh, but, but a lot of the same issues that we talked about last week are still there. And, and even with a quarterback change, they still struggled offensively. And that's going to be the big question. Uh, how much better can they get on that side of the ball as the season goes on? Because if they don't, I, I just see a whole lot of teams yeah. in, in the league. They're going to have a hard time outscoring and that that may begin with Arkansas this weekend yeah and offensively they still didn't even reach 300 offensive yards so we're looking at that same consistent problem another team that probably doesn't have the most confidence right now and according to FBI has the toughest remaining schedule as Auburn they had um a terrible game against Penn State we were talking about that saying well hopefully they could get some type of confidence and, and do something with that game if they could beat that ranked team um it was just awful from the start they're lucky to even put 12 on the board at that point they they, they lost a uh, Penn State 41 to 12. Yeah it, it was ugly in every way and uh, as you said now now Auburn gets to start conference play and and while they do start it against Missouri which if you had to pick a team to start against that would be one of the two or three that you would choose if you're Auburn um, so mm-hmm. it, it's probably the easiest conference game that they'll have on their schedule but um, just what do you take out of that game um, that you can really build on? And then, as you mentioned, the the remaining schedule is, is most difficult in the country, according right. to FPI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Missouri, the upcoming opponent, is not a reason for that. It's, it's what comes after Missouri. And so when you consider you've already lost a non-conference game, um, you have maybe the most difficult conference schedule in all of college football. I mean, is, is it even in the cards to, to aspire to go to a bowl game. And I I know they're still talking about that, but where are the wins going to come? If you're Auburn, I I think that's, what's so discouraging when you look, look ahead and you look at that schedule Mm -hmm. and uh, here's the, you know, the, the thing is, I mean, Auburn, it's, it's a bad draw. Some teams are going to get that bad draw every year. If you look at that FPI list of the toughest remaining schedules in college football, um, you have uh, Auburn, um, I'm trying to remember the order, but there, there are four SEC teams that are at the top. It, it, it's it's Auburn, and I believe it's Vanderbilt mm-hmm, yeah. uh, is next, and Tennessee and Mississippi State in some order. Maybe it's Mississippi State, Tennessee. Yep. But you, you know what they all have in common? What's that? They're hard. <laughs> well, no, no. What those four teams all have in common that, that rank one, two, three, four in toughest remaining schedule mm-hmm. is that those are the four teams in the SEC that have to play both Georgia and Alabama. Mm. And and th- that's why their schedule is the most difficult because the two right. best teams uh, are, are still remaining on it. 
And, and if you're Auburn, uh, not to mention Vanderbilt, um, you have to play both of them on the road. I don't know that it really matters uh, with Georgia, whether you play them at your place or their place, but with Alabama, right. they, they've seen the last couple of years to be a little bit, a little bit more vulnerable on the road, but uh, in mm-hmm. Auburn's case and and Vandy's, as I mentioned, um, they they have to play both of them away from home, which is uh, that's not good, not mm-hmm. good if you're trying to win football games. Exactly, that's it's not the best, the not the best schedule, right? And, and like you said about Georgia, it really doesn't matter where you are. Just like Alabama, you have to just hope that you're able to click on all cylinders, right, to get past that type of team, especially when they're ranked one and two. 